0: plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary we're back this is emotional management i'm dr christian conti 866-391-1020 is the number if you want to be a part of the show we're talking about some important stuff tonight look I, the reality is you're going through tough stuff everyone is going everyone is going through more. All people are going through more than what we readily see. And we have a tendency to minimize the struggles other people encounter. So if someone else is going through something, you say, come on, it's not that big of a deal. I've been through X. But when you're going through it, even think about it this way. Let's say you get a paper cut. Paper cut might be so thin almost imperceptible to others, but it bothers the heck out of you. It impacts your conversations. Maybe you're talking to someone, you're sitting there going, oh man, this paper cut, like in your mind, this is a pressing pain that's in your foreground. Now the other person doesn't see it, but this is just an analogy because, okay, maybe it's a paper cut, but maybe there's something going on psychologically that you don't see. I think I would argue that there's always something going on psychologically that we don't see. So what can we do? Well, we can start to recognize that what other people go through is as significant as what we go through. I'm going to come to uh, Clark from West Virginia asks, we all know that impulsiveness is common among teenagers, Is there a way to teach a teen who is impulsive how to control impulsiveness? Can parents and educators teach teenagers how not to act impulsively, or is it just an inevitable pattern in teens? Clark, great question. I'm so excited that I'm going to kind of be jumping. My profound answer is yes, most certainly. Can parents teach teenagers? how to control that impulsivity. It doesn't mean there isn't an inclination toward impulsivity, it doesn't mean that there's not a neurological drive to be impulsive. Risk-taking was hardwired into us and a lot of evolutionary psychologists believe that the potential reason for why we needed to take risks was to expand, to keep moving. Remember, we were a nomadic species traveling out beyond the the bounds the boundaries of where we grew up and 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 migrated all over this world and and when you migrate when you take a risk to leave the place that you know it's going to take something so what is it well we i think we're hardwired to kind of take those risks so will teenagers be impulsive sure that's an that's an eternal aspect to be it, it neurologically here's what happens your your you the triune the model of the triune brain it sounds fancy but stick with me we have a reptilian part of our brain that's the brain stem that's that, that's in common we have that in common with reptiles then we have the what's called paleo mammalian part of our brain and that's a fancy term but it's the older mammal part of our brain and that's your limbic system that's ready at birth to take in experiences your hippocampus your amygdala; these are all ready to take in experiences and then you have what's called your neomammalian cortex and that is your frontal cortex where we see a lot of higher level thinking so what happens is the brain develops so it's fully ready to take on experiences in that emotional system at birth, but that frontal cortex doesn't fully develop until 24, 25 years old, which means that adolescents are centered more in that limbic system. Actually, I saw a study years ago where they had adults and adolescents in, in a room, they, the researchers had the same conversation with both groups. What they found overwhelmingly was teenagers primarily responded out of their limbic system. They, in other words, because that's the center of their part of the brain that's still emotional, that's where they're, that's where they're making their decisions. Then yes, it's going to be more impulsive, but can we teach impulse control? My goodness, the answer is yes, this is what I do. I do this not only with parents around children. Uh, My wife and I, our daughter has practiced meditation since she was very young, every single day, and I go into prisons and I help people learn how to understand how to have impulse control. So I do this for a living. I believe it's absolutely possible. It takes practice. We 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 master what we practice, and if we practice constantly having an impulsive thought and acting on it, then we get really good at that. But if we practice having an impulse, an inclination to do something, but we pause, we hesitate, and we practice that pause, then we get very good at that too. So meditation is extremely powerful. It's transformative. It makes neurological changes. Um, Research has demonstrated that five minutes of meditation a day for six straight weeks, makes physiological changes in your brain. Five minutes a day, six straight weeks. What is meditation? What do you have to do for it? Well, I want to talk about it, but I want you to hear this though. This isn't about uh, a belief system. You can have a belief system that can really add to your experience of meditation, but you don't have to have one. If you have no belief, hey, listen, everyone has a belief system. You might believe that there's nothing. Whatever you believe is fine. The point is, whatever you believe, meditation, think about it like this. Push-ups will help you get stronger. Meditation helps your brain get in shape. And one way you can meditate is by keeping your body still. So you, you would sit up and I tell people to sit up because when you sit up, you actually activate your reticular formation and your reticular formation is your waking alert system And so when we sit up, we have that alerted. Now, when you're sitting up, you're becoming still and you almost can become the observer. And this is just one basic form of meditation, the most basic form I can think of. If you were to sit up, because listen, there's a difference between relaxing and actually meditating and relaxation is wonderful, but that's not meditation. Meditation is... It's an active process whereby you become the observer. You become present in that moment to kind of, you almost can step outside yourself and go, look, this person's really has a lot of thoughts right now. But the truth is what you really want to be in meditation is present. It means you might not be able to control the noise around you. You might not be able to control the outside world, but that's okay. And the more you practice realizing I can't control the outside world, but I'm okay. Regardless, the better you get at it and this includes impulses. I want to tell you coming up, I'm going to tell you, I do meditation in maximum security prisons, in places where people are struggling in the worst possible way in restricted housing units, what you would know as the whole. I do this with people. It's not uh hokum. This isn't something that might be effective or not. We know we understand brain scan research in today's world in 2020 meditation helps. It's as helpful for you as pushups are to help you get stronger. Meditation will help your brain get stronger. Like I said, five minutes of meditation a day for six straight weeks creates physiological changes in your brain. We got a lot more to talk about coming up. Give us a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti and this is emotional management on KDK radio, man. I love that music. It's emotional management. It's us talking about the emotions that are going on in life. If you want to be a part of the show, give us a call eight six six three nine one ten twenty. Let's go to the phone lines. And Greg, you're on emotional management.
1: What's happening, the smooth
0: operator? Oh, this is my man. Dr. You see, smooth this, operator. Did you know last week How are they? Good uh, night, sir. I'm doing well. Do you know that they put on uh, smooth operator for me? uh, last week on one of the, uh, later intros. Thanks to you. Hey, that was nice, man. I like how you maneuver. I
1: like how you, uh, put things in its proper perspectives. You're pretty smooth with it.
0: Appreciate that.
1: I think, uh, I heard you saying something about some inmates being, uh, in a hole and being locked up. I think a lot of people that's going in and out of jail, <clears throat> are influenced by, which in a lot of parts are the devil. I think in a lot of other cases too, there are a lot of people like going to jail. There's no way that all the freedom is out here in this world. Why are you being constantly
0: locked up in a hole in jail or even being in jail? I I think a lot of times people are, so locked into what they're doing in the moment that they're not thinking of their future self. So I was talking to an inmate today who told me, listen, if I don't get what I'm looking to get, he said, then, you know, I'm going to do X. And I said, right now, it feels like when you say I'm going to do X, it feels empowering. Like I'm going to get them. But guess what? You have to live with your future self and your future self has to live with the consequences of whatever you do now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, a lot
1: of people do not think in terms of God. You say, well, well, maybe I'll take God and try to turn my life into something as opposed to just being and going into prisons and institutions and uh, rehabs all my life. It's about time, God. You have shown me in the right direction this time that I take you showing me and get it in my head that that's the direction that I should actually go in instead of going in that direction that the devil is sending me in that's
0: I why a lot of that has hey to we're trying we're try, that's why we're trying to get clear goals so people can figure out what it is that they want to do in life I appreciate you calling in hey, I appreciate your positivity your positivity' is awesome hey,
1: hey, hey. and, and uh, like you said Let's keep the lights turned
0: on. One hundred percent. You're bright. Hey, you a bright light, Doctor. Hey, thank Amen. you so much, it's man. I nice appreciate you a to ton. You. Thank you a ton. I appreciate always you. Always nice
1: talking to you, my brother.
0: Oh man, God you're awesome. You have night. a great Amen. night. Listen, that's that's great. I appreciate that positivity. It's such a it's a, such a great thing. We are we're faced with a lot of struggles in life, and when we have these struggles, what do we do? How do we handle them? If you're struggling, 866-391-1020 is the number, and I want to be able to help you. We're, we talk, We're talking about, is there a way to control that impulsivity in children or adolescents, teenagers? Is there a way to do that? Yes, there is. It takes effort. It takes discipline. It takes role modeling that. Oftentimes, I tell parents of small children, if you want to start your children meditating, it's going to take you sitting down with them. And I hear parents say all the time, my children will never do that. I say, you think that because you haven't placed a value on it. Something my wife did with our daughter when she was really young. My wife said, why do we have to get excited? When, when when people do something well, why do we have to give them poor food? Why, when they do well, why don't we give them good food? So she made broccoli really exciting for our daughter. She'd be like, you get to eat these trees today. It's so exciting. You're eating a tree. How awesome is that? And she would get really excited. Our children don't come into this world with preconceived notions. They come into this world saying, I'm a sponge, teach me. And what we teach them, they're listening. And sometimes what we teach them is inadvertent. We don't mean to be teaching them that, but we are. So ask yourself, what are you teaching? But I want to also have you ask, what are you contributing to? what content are you contributing to the universe? Is your content adding to the, uh, adding to peace in the universe or not? So I have a question. There was a uh, a question about a, uh, in my new book, uh, there's a chapter on non-attachment. Uh, you face a prisoner who has taken a drug test three days in a row. He is irate over the number of consecutive tests. He challenged you to not try to calm him down, although you assured him you would not, your technique was to calm him down. So my question is, at what point in the conversation is it appropriate to then achieve the end you want and stop saying, I'm not trying to calm you down? So in other words, here's the question. I'll try again. I I want to know when it is okay to hit the person with your main point. When is it okay to just bring up your main point? Okay, so I get this question. This is a good question. So first of all, the question references, um, uh, an experience I had uh, that I wrote about in my book, walking through anger, but I had, I, I was talking a guy came up to me. He said, don't, don't try to calm me down. I said, I'm not going to try to calm you down. And I right, my whole point was to meet him where he was not try to just tell him, Hey, just calm down. Which by the way, is funny. I was talking about this today. I was doing a training with a group of officers and I said, listen, when in the history of your life. When you were really angry, did someone come up to you and say, you need to calm down? And you said, oh yeah, I never thought of that. You're right, I should calm down. You don't think that. When someone tells you to calm down when you're in the middle of being a heated rage, you say, you're not listening to me. So anyway, there was a technique I wrote about. it. It's it's, it's good to, I would love for you to read it, but I want to get to the point of this question it's almost as if I here's how I would read that question. At what point do you just say it? Like you have a point, just say it. Well, here's the deal. And this is what I do with yield theory. It's always thinking, not just talking to talk. It's not about just saying, okay, well, I told you I threw in my main point. If the person's not ready to hear it, they're not ready to hear it. And so it doesn't matter if I think they should be ready to hear it or not. They should listen. No, that's, that's not reality. Reality is, When I say that's not reality, I call it cartoon world. Cartoon world is people should, and then whatever, fill in the blank. Any of our shoulds, that's our cartoon world, because that's not reality. He shouldn't have said that. Reality is, he did say it. Cartoon world. She shouldn't do that. Real world, she did it. As long as you align your expectations with the cartoon world, you're let down. When you learn to align your expectations with the real world, you're more prepared for it. So when do you give a person the point? Just come out and say it. Well, if you just come out and say your point, you run the risk of talking at the person. Well, I told them, so I told them. So that's all I'm saying. I told them great, but did you make a difference? So someone said to me recently, well, I shouldn't have to do that. I shouldn't have to prepare someone for a point I want to make. And I said to the guy, listen, I appreciate that you don't believe that you should have to prepare someone to hear your point, but if you choose not to, and the person doesn't hear your point, what do you do? And he said, that's on his fault. Okay, great. Then you said you basically have acknowledged all you want to do is talk at someone, say you're right but if you really want to make a change, this is why I wrote walking through anger. This is why I'm passionate about yield theory. If you actually want to make a change, you have to meet people where they are, try to see the world from their perspective through their eyes. And once you do that, when you listen, when you validate and they feel validated, then they're ready to explore options. And now you can start to really highlight the things you want to highlight. And as much as I feel everyone out there on, I shouldn't have to do that. Communication shouldn't have to be so much effort. Great. That's a nice thought. That's not reality. That's a cartoon world thought. It is really awe-inspiring to think about what happens in communication. Here we are, individual human beings with 100 billion plus neurons in our brain, and we're formulating stuff out of that. In a language that then we then speak out loud verbally or even non-verbally with our gestures and we communicate. It's powerful when you think about what communication is. So where are, so I heard this once somebody said, well, I shouldn't have to wait so long for my computer. Remember the old dial-up computers I'm taking, so you're sending a signal to space and it's coming back down. Can you wait a moment? In that same way, we're communicating a whole lot. So is it going to take effort to get it right? Yeah, it's going to take effort to get it right, but it's worth it. It's worth putting in the effort, not just to speak to speak, but to talk so that you can actually be heard. We got a lot more to talk about tonight on Emotional Management on KDK Radio. We're back. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. We're talking about some important stuff tonight because we're talking about emotions, and emotions are powerful. So here's a question right now When I want to get to told you we have a bunch of questions this week. This one is from Ann and it goes like this. Dr. Conte, my new year's resolution was to avoid getting caught up in office drama. I'm having difficulty because my work environment provides many struggles. I work with a lot of women. Many of them are very negative and I try hard not to get pulled into it. Could you please talk about or give any advice on how to avoid being pulled into office gossip Thank you so much for any help. Ahead of time, best Anne. And thank you so much for your question. So you wanted to not get caught up in office drama, but you're recognizing that it's difficult. So you're working with a, a group of people who seem to get caught up in that gossip. I like that you made that a New Year's resolution because the fact that you made that a New Year's resolution means that you recognized it wasn't healthy. And I think that's the piece. When you recognize it's not healthy, you say, this isn't what I like. I don't feel good about doing this. So that speaks volumes about you, Ann. But it's not enough to say, I mean to not gossip because intentions mean nothing without actions. The best intentions in the entire world pale. In comparison to the smallest action. You can hear quotes like that every morning on Twitter. If you go to at Dr. underscore C O N T E. Every morning I wake up, meditate. I picture myself standing in front of seven billion plus people, and I try to say a conscious statement. Things like that. Like you can the doesn't matter how you have the greatest intention in the world. It pales in comparison to the smallest action. So let's come back to this and you wanted to stay out of office gossip, but now you find yourself going into it to shake things up, to break a pattern. It's important. It's going to take a conscious effort, but there is one key thing you can do to stay out of gossip. Oh my goodness, this is a technique I've been teaching people, no kidding, over 20 years. It's extremely helpful. And that is this. There's a difference between content, the words people say, and process, which is how they say it. So if I say, you know I love you. Well, my content are the words, I love you. But maybe the way I said it was angry. So here's how we stay out of gossip, and this is phenomenal. This takes a little bit of practice, but with a little bit of practice, you can get very good at it and you don't ever have to get sucked into gossip again. Here's what to do. When people start to gossip around you at work, they're going to say content. This person, can you believe this or this or this or this? What I would like you to do, Ann, is pick up on the emotion and then only comment on that. Sounds like you were really bothered by that. Sounds like you were really upset by that. Imagine what that does to people if day in, day out, instead of you feeding the gossip, you simply hold it, you hold a mirror on what they're experiencing is. Sounds like you're really upset again. Sounds like you're really bothered by this person. And 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 you might think, well, how many times am I gonna sound say sounds like? You're gonna say it so much until the person recognizes what they're doing and it it happens. So I spent about eight months working in a maximum security women's prison a few years ago. And I worked with women who were struggling in a behavioral management unit. They were engaged in some of the most self-harm I had ever encountered. And one of the things that we would see was this the women on this particular unit struggled with? If you could picture a glass of water, but then you cut the bottom out of the water, so you try to pour water into that glass, but with the hole in the bottom of it, it's just gonna always pour. You're never gonna fill the water up. You're never gonna fill the glass up because there's a hole in the bottom of it. Well, some people, that's where their self esteem is. It's almost like a bottomless cup. You're nothing you can do. Could ever really fill that up from the outside and then when they'll take it from their perspective on the inside they always feel empty like there's a hole like compliments aren't going to stay gratitude's not going to stay and so there is a tendency it's constantly gossip trying to figure out that well if that hole is inside of me it doesn't feel right so let me see it in the outside world so here's what people do they start to say well it's so and so's the problem so-and-so's this. Well, how about, so can you believe so-and-so? And And instead of feeding into that, and, and it sounds like you're ready to do this, strive to be the light, be a reflection of what they're saying. So I would go into this unit and I would, every day I'd come in, I walked door to door. I go cell to cell. And I would always take a deep breath. I always kind of walk with my hands folded. Some of the inmates would tell me about that. You're always walking with your hands folded. You're in constant prayer. I said, well, kind of, yeah. But I would come up to a cell door and I'd have my hands folded and I'd say, and somebody starts going off. Sounds like you're really upset. Now imagine I do this every day. Come in. Sounds like you're really upset. Sounds like you're really upset. Not that hurriedly. Sounds like you're really upset. Sounds like that, that person's choices really bothered you. Well, here's what happens when you start to reflect process that you're upset. Again, when you start to reflect, sounds like this person's choices were different from what you would have chosen. Think about that. That's accurate. So really here's why we get upset with people because they chose differently from how we imagined that if, had we been in the exact same situation, we would have chosen. (laughs) that's the selfishness that happens with gossip. I would have chosen to do it differently. Great. So another human being chose to do something differently. And now you feel entitled to talk about them and to highlight their mistakes and their worst parts. And somehow you think that that's okay and not in and of itself. Probably worse than whatever it is that you're talking about with them. When I talked about, we add to the content of the universe. Think about what people who gossip do. They add negativity, pain, hatred, and that's what they add to the world. When you gossip, that's what you're adding to the world. Yes, but, no yes, but, that's what you're adding to the world. Anger, pain, hurt, hatred, trying to tear someone down for what? And so what do I say? I say challenge yourself. And I like that you have challenged yourself, so let's take it to another level. Do not allow yourself to engage in that gossip. And it doesn't mean you're better than someone. Oh, you think you're better than me. That's silly. So it sounds like you're hurt if I don't jump in and say negative things about someone else. So, you know, and it can be lighthearted. You can kind of shift the focus. You can say constantly, you know what? I'm actually working on not gossiping right now. So yeah, it sounds like you're really upset and that sounds like it bothered you a lot. I respect that. I just, I'm not in that spot. What do you think would happen in that situation? Well, a couple things would happen. One, people would immediately try to get you to gossip somehow, make fun of you. Oh, you can't, you're taking yourself so seriously. Do whatever it takes to pull you back in because here's the deal. The system operated at a certain level for a long enough period of time. That's called homeostasis. And the system operated at a level for a long enough time that you we like that. We get comfortable. We get used to whatever the dynamics are. And then when someone changes, oh boy, we work to pull them back to what we know. When it comes to something like gossip, if someone steps out of that circle and says, no, I'm not going to be a part of this. And without even having to overtly, you don't have to announce it, declare it. You don't have to do that. You can simply just start validating what people are experiencing. So you might be able to say to somebody, it sounds like you're really struggling. Sounds like this person's choices really bothered you. Well, yes, they did because he should have done that's cartoon world. This is what should have happened. That's cartoon world. That's not what happened. Well, I don't mean to be spreading pain. Well, I don't mean to be spreading hatred. Guess what? You are man, that's harsh, Dr. Conti. I'm just telling you it's reality. When you're talking about people, think about what that does to someone. What if that person was in the room right now? What if that person's entire family was in the room right now? See, I think we get licensed to to make fun of and talk about people who are celebrities and famous because we say, well, this person deserves to be made fun of, but those people were all people. That's the one true thing I've found in my career. We are all human. We are all in this life together. It is not okay to talk about people. Oh yes, but no, no, but this is not okay. So, and push yourself. I love the goal. Let's stay on that goal. Focus on reflecting process, validate where they are, but don't jump into that content. There's still time to talk. 866-391-1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. We're back. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Listen, I'm talking to our producer, Ben, here. This is awesome. We're having a great conversation here at the break. This is what I love. What I love about Ben and what I love really about doing this show, these emotions, they hit all of us. But so, hey, I'm welcoming in Ben because I, I, I. what you said is eye-opening. Tell, tell, tell us a little about that.
2: Yeah, well, I was just listening to what you were talking about earlier with a system really dictating the kind of emotions that you feel, and it reminded me of the way I used to be. Honest to God, I'm 32 now, probably until I was 27 years old. If you had a... Alike, and I don't even mean in something that mattered. is something as trivial as style of music. If you liked rock and I liked rap, I would insist that your music was terrible. <laughs> not that we liked different kinds of music. Right. And I met a guy that I worked with, and he was a huge hockey fan. And hockey's a great sport, but I grew up in a football house. Football was the sport we right, liked. Right. And I laid into him for being a hockey fan, and he looked at me. And just said, "Oh well, I understand why you think that. A lot of people like football," <laughs> and I did not know how to respond to it.
0: He did not feed into the back and forth at all. And it's, but it, it sounds like that was a good awakening moment for you to realize people do like different things. Right. It, it
2: takes. I, I think you need to approach it with that kind of mindset because it's just. I feel like it's just as likely that someone re- respond in a negative. Fact, like oh, why would that person? Oh, this person? Exactly what you said. Oh, you're better than me. You don't right. think I completely understand where yeah. that mindset comes from? But
0: it it does. But it, what I think is powerful is once we realize that we have a choice whether or not we keep doing that and trying to force people into see what we see. Right. It's all about growth. You just need to keep getting better. That's why we're doing. That's why we're doing this show. Good stuff. No doubt. Hey, next week we're in. Uh... David L Lawrence Conventions, David L Lawrence, Lawrence Convention Center. Center. <laughs> Center. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys want to say hello, come down here. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. No you. problem. Um, you know, it's it's he's so right. Like I, I really think he's so right. Think about this. We get caught up in our perspective, and we really do convince ourselves that that what we see, what we like, what we believe in is the only thing out there and that's a human feeling to feel like that like yeah this is what I know so you So, I'll tell you how this plays out so I was working with this couple one time and a husband and wife and the wife came in she was fired up she said and I mean she's this wasn't like saying this in a joking way she was literally angry saying will you please tell him that socks go in the upper right hand drawer And she was furious. And I said, I'm so sorry. Is that like a universal law? Because I might've been doing it wrong, or is that the way you grew up? And so your family, you, that's where you kept socks. And now you believe this is the way it is for everyone. That's not the way it is for, that's the way it was for you. If this is a value for you, I can see that. But let's ask ourselves what battles we're trying to win when couples get together. So when I work with new couples, I say, listen, you're, when you move in together, that's kind of symbolic because you might think, well, I want this chair in here. Well, no, that chair's not coming in our house. The chair, it's really nothing about the chair. It really is. The chair is representing the two cultures, two families are merging together and there's a jockeying for position. Are you going to get rid of this cultural, uh, historical, familial experience for me? Are you getting rid of this for me? Cause I'm going to be defensive of it. When it really has nothing to do with that. I love what Ben talked about because I think when, if we shine light on that, think about that for yourself right now. What beliefs do you hold that you say, no, there's absolutely no way anyone can believe differently from me. Cause I know the ultimate truth. My guess is there are things that you buy into like that, that you say, no, absolutely. That's why you buy into it. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But in this world of 7 billion plus, there are varying beliefs. And of course, every single human being on planet earth, all 7 billion plus buy into the fact that their beliefs are correct. That's the, that's why it's a belief you buy into. No, this is it. But there is a different way. You can believe in what you believe, but still be open that you could learn new information tomorrow that could radically change how you see the world. For instance, we once didn't know that there were other planets in the solar system or that there was other, there were other Galaxies out there. My dad writes a, writes a great blog on called "This is Not Your Practice Life," and I can't remember the name of the person because I don't have it in front of me right now. But he wrote about a person from the 16th century that was executed because he believed that there were more galaxies out there. That that belief was you know it wasn't accepted at the time. But look, whatever your beliefs are, of course, you're passionate about it. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is a bit naive to believe that all of your beliefs are the ultimate beliefs and that other people's beliefs are wrong. I think it's naive. It's okay though, but that's, that's a belief. But, but think about this because when you're connecting with other people and you say, I don't know how they don't believe what I believe. That's very self-centered. Here's how they're another human being with different experiences, different lessons, came across different material, different patterns. Life is not easy and the people you don't like and want to gossip about, they're also having a difficult time. People who you think are really well off and don't struggle, they also have a tough time. My secret to being effective as a counselor through all these years is understanding that at our core we are all human at our core. I don't care what your title is, name is. I work with celebrities, best fighters in the world and UFC. I work with the best basketball players in the world, in the NBA, best football players in the world and NFL. We're all human beings, all of us. So be easy on each other. Be easy on people that you think are completely wrong because they're human, just like you. We're all fallible. We could work on being the light Get out of gossiping by reflecting process. And tune in next week at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center to come down and say hello. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. As always.